My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Good afternoon, everyone. I am here today with Jackie Wesley, Executive Director of Fighting Together to Save Lives. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're just going to dive right in, okay? Um, okay? I always start by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, including one fun fact. Oh, okay. well... I think I'll go before I tell you a little bit about myself. My fun fact is oh, is good <laughs> is what it's cooking and serving, cooking and serving. That's the fun fact about me. What do you like to cook? What is your favorite? My favorite is Mexican food oh, and then yes. Italian food, and then I mean, of course, African American cuisine. But um, that's what my Christmas was. We did like a Cajun Christmas, oh, so yum. you know, we did all the the Southern type food, and it was super good not a whole lot of different things but it was good but yeah I love 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 Mexican food that's my favorite food. then me, Italian <laughs> me too I I am right with there there so then tell yeah, me a little bit about dad. yourself where did you where did you grow up where do you live now well I grew here? up in the Midwest and I came to Colorado when I was uh, my son was three mm-hmm. and he is now 41 and so we came on a two-week vacation, and it just was so beautiful and different from where I was. I bet. And I decided to stay, you know. And so I've been here for, oh, you know, 38 years in Colorado, and, and it just became home for me. I love it. Yeah. Well, and one of the reasons you're here is that, like me and a lot of our guests, you're a cancer survivor. So yes. where I'd like to go next is kind of your whole cancer story, your diagnosis, when, how that happened, if there were symptoms you were having, and then kind of move into your treatment and how all of that went. Okay. I was kind of an early stages, pre-cancer patient in my early 20s, uterine cancer. And so had a hysterectomy, no problem, just kept going on with life because that's what you do. You don't if we don't know, you continue to just go on. Mm-hmm. But I started to have mammograms at an early stage and uh, those mammograms, I think four or five were benign. So mm-hmm. I truly was just like in a denial process of uh, it not happening to me because it, it, you know, four or five times, like, okay, well, let's just leave this alone. <laughs> yeah, know? right. And so my oldest sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, in my spirit, that was for her, not for me. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 you know. And so just going to a women's conference and there being a uh, breast cancer African-American physician mm-hmm. to talk about breast cancer. For me, it was like an eye-opening experience because of all of my benign diagnosis. I decided to ignore the whole mammogram thing, the whole, you know, breast mm-hmm. cancer thing. That was not for me. And so it was just a moment in time when she, you know, was speaking and there was like the whole room went dark and it was just her and I, Hmm. and I heard everything about you have breast cancer. And so I came running home to tell my husband and within two, a week or two, possibly we were in the doctor's offices and hadn't had a mammogram in two years. And when I was diagnosed, Hmm. I was right at the state, right at stage four, like three B. So, and it was, you know, invasive. And so uh, it was like a eye-opening experience for me. So had they been tracking something that kept showing up as benign? And so you kind of thought, meh, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. 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 You do it for, you know, three, three to five. And you're like, yeah, I'm good. Like, well, okay, I could take a couple of years off, but that's where we fell short as a people. We take, you know, we think that thing, right. You know, it's like, oh, that didn't happen. So I don't have to think about that number of, no, you always have to think about it. If you have to go through any type of procedure for anything multiple times, keep track of it. Yeah. I'm curious if doctors made a connection. You had uterine cancer mm-hmm. and your sister had breast cancer. Did they make any kind of genetic connection? Did they do genetic testing or anything like that? We did go through genetic testing. However, the the kind of, for me, it was a, it was a disconnect because we mm-hmm. both have a genetic gene but it doesn't do the same in her bloodline than it does in my blood. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, that for me was, well, I don't have girls, but she has a granddaughter and a daughter. So we were yeah. checking for the girls because I also have a granddaughter. Right. But they keep saying that something with her is it's environmental. Hmm. And so for me, it's different. Hers will travel down her bloodline. Mine will not. So that's, yeah. that's what we got. I don't, you know, know for sure. Cause I haven't dug that deep into the bloodline side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's enough. It's a big, of, a big of enough fight to have to deal with the everyday side of it. So definitely. You know, yeah. So yeah, she's a two-time cancer survivor. Oh, wow. And thyroid cancer. So that was another connection supposedly. Wow. You know, thyroid. Yeah. So for you, after they diagnosed you then with 3B, what happened? Did they do surgery? Did they do biopsy? Did they start oh, with treatment? Gail, you know, it, it all happened so quickly because it was spreading. Oh. And so, you know, I got diagnosed on September 11th. So that day means oh, gosh. For me than it does for the thousands of hundreds, thousands wow. of people. And, you know, from the New York, but right. 9-11, yeah. And so... Um, you know, unfortunately, you get that cold call mm-hmm. that they tell you what they tell you, no matter where you are, what you're doing. They they call to give you the information and that's what you get. And so it was in the middle of a shopping day. And oh, so gosh. You get that call and, you know, you go home and tell your husband, you know, and you, you go through the process. And from wow. finding out on 9-11 to I think December 1st was when I was having that major surgery. But in between the time. Oh, wow. All the different things that you have to go through blood and, you know, blood work and, and tests and, and different things. It's so much. So by the time you get to yeah. the decision to have that massive surgery, 
you know, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Did you end up going through chemo and radiation in addition to surgery? Yes. So I, I, uh, kind of went a little radical for some people at being, you know, 39, Hmm. I actually had both breasts removed. I had reconstructive surgery and then, you know, being in surgery for almost 10 to 12 hours, doing the procedures to not want to have blood transfusions, you know, before my surgery. So the whole clamping of the belt, the arteries and the whole, you know, walking around like you're pregnant again, (laughs) it was, it's just such a, it's a deal. It is. It's a tough deal. It really is a tough deal. It is. So, I mean, given that, how did you deal with it mentally, emotionally? You know, uh, after uh, having, you know, being diagnosed and going on and having the first part of the surgery, removal of the breast and reconstruction and all that at the same time, and then having to go through treatment, Mm. it was difficult. You know, it was sickening. It was, it was difficult. It's, yeah. It's, it's horrible. And so just dealing with that and, and believing in, in, in Christ for me and, you know, my relationship and mm-hmm. my prayer time and my meditation time and my solitude time and just allowing and understanding and knowing what this diagnosis means. Educate yourself, right? Mm-hmm. What this diagnosis means. So you have to know what it means and then live your life according to what's happening so that you can focus on healing and not necessarily the process because the process is that can be deadly. Yeah. Oh, definitely. How long ago was that? For me, I was diagnosed in 2003. And so we went through a whole five-year regimen of diagnosis to treatment, to surgeries, to the five-year maintenance and all that. So 2003 to 2008 for me. So you are coming up on 10 years then. Oh, yeah. In 2023. Well, we kind of counted from the day to diagnosis. Okay. (laughs) It was almost, it it was, you know, it, you know, it's going to be 20 years for me in in 2023. Oh, sorry. I can't. This is why I work. This is why I work with words (laughs) and not numbers. No worries. Thank you for correcting. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> 20 so we're years. Coming up 20 years. On, on 20 years. Yeah. So that's a complete blessing. Wow. So, that's awesome. Um, you know, it, I will not tell you it was easy mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. even physically, because there's yeah. so many drawbacks of all the treatment and the things that they use. It literally, you know, it, it kind of reconstructs who you are as a person. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So what inspired you to become an advocate for the cancer community, which is now where you are in life, right? Oh, it's my life. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's, it's my joy. It's my, it's my sweet spot. When I was diagnosed and I just, you know, because I'm a spiritual person, I was like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do with this disease? What is, what does this mean? <laughs> you know? And so, you know, the, the answer was to, you know, teach others how to fight because I was already a, a winner. So as my friend Gwen that just passed would say G W I N because she wins all the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was, uh, she, she her, her, you know, she did passed and, you know, from breast cancer and other cancers, but it's just, it was a time and space. I was like, God, what am I supposed to do with this? How can I hold all this? This is so much. Yeah. And he says, I want you to, I want you to help others fight. And I want you to tell your story. So 
I started doing that and I was like, here's my funny part of me that the comedian side. I was like, <laughs> well, how am I supposed to tell everybody? I said, we already talk too much. People going to get tired of me. And so <laughs> because I'm a, I, I write, I journal. Yeah. It just, it turned into a, a story of my life. And so we, uh, we hosted that play for several years about surviving breast cancer. So it's called living with breast cancer through Christ. So it was and, a play like, a yeah, it was a pen stage play. So really? that's kind of how we started. So I was like, that was a lot of work, Gail. So oh, like, I can okay, imagine. <laughs> so when did you start doing that? And when did it actually come to fruition oh, wow. where you were? I think the play was in 2008 was the, when I first kind of after my couple of years out of treatment, you know, after getting it ready. And so it was just, a, you know, a local play with wonderful local artists here in Denver and, and uh, an opportunity to just talk about, you know, what life is when you are diagnosed with your family, because it's not just about you, right? It's right. about your whole entire family. So, yeah. So it was kind of like a reading. It was wonderful. And we, so, we were talking about doing it again. So. That is incredible. So how did you get from that to now you're executive director of this fighting together to save lives? So how what how did you get from the play to to founding this organization? Well, I mean, it, it was that's the name of the organization, but it didn't actually form until after. Right. So, yeah, that's the question. So, I mean, we just got there by being part of the community. You know, our, my thing is, you know, you start, you start something and you think, you know, who was your target audience? Mm -hmm. So for me, my target audience is African-Americans because unfortunately we are diagnosed at a higher rate, not because we are tested more, but we're diagnosed at a higher rate because of the lack of insurance, possibly, you know, rheumatic things, but we want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to get what they need without having to actually have what they need. And so we go from that thought all the way to where we are now. And it just kind of metamorphosed itself into being part of the community and reaching out to the community, African-American, probably 90%, mm -hmm. uh, honestly, but cancer does not discriminate. So I, mm -hmm. you know, I have, I reach out to all, everybody, Yeah, but- the goal is to let's get tested because used to be breast cancer was like a death sentence. Yeah. Now it's like early detection saved lives. Exactly. So we have to make sure that we got a lot of horns around the city and everybody is saying the same thing that early detection saved lives. So do, do you do, I don't know, like sometimes workplaces will have little seminars where people can come in and, you know, talk about the things that you're talking about. Is that, how do you find the people that you go talk to? Well, for me, what's in Fighting Together to Save Lives is more of a real community based. Okay. So um, I I don't know the ladies until I meet them. Oh, and once okay. I meet them, they're forever in my life. Exactly. So, <laughs> so as my father would say, I never meet a stranger. So people say, oh, I want, I know somebody that's a survivor. And I told her about your program, which is our end of year program, the Black Tie. And I want her to be involved. And so I'll just give a call and tell them who we are and what we do. And, you know, and then we 
go from there. So we've really touched, you know, not a, not thousands of people in the community, but many, yeah. you know, just to just to get it across how they expect it to come across. Well, and it sounds like you are encouraging early detection and giving information that people may not otherwise have access to and also su- providing support, right? If yeah. I imagine that some people you've talked to in your community also then end up getting diagnosed. And I would imagine that you're there to help them through that, to support them, encourage them and all of that. Right. I am. I yeah. am. And you know what? I couldn't do it without my team. I think I have about 30 plus volunteers that oh, that's awesome. I don't, I don't tell you what well, I tell you. I just blow the horn and, and they come not all of them at the same time, but they, they come in numbers to what we can make impact. And so yeah, I have a good team and it's a lot of work, but it's, it's that passion work. So it doesn't exactly. seem like work, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in yeah. your, in your work, what challenges have you found with providing equitable care? Well, I think the challenges is with any organization It's funding, of course, but we, as, as a community have been uh, primarily funding what we do, uh, you know, because we're growing, we're not huge, you know, mm-hmm. we're just uh, community based and, and some know us and some don't, but we're working towards um, the things that we want to do, which this year, uh, after all of the donations that we received, we were able to do a lot of that, oh, um, you know, at a, at a, a decent scale base. So yeah. I think that we've taken in about under our wings since October, our big event. Mm-hmm. Uh, about four ladies helping them out. So that's the goal is to oh, provide good. care, even if it's emotional, spiritual care, you know, we just. But sometimes know, that's just, the most important, right? Yeah, I it mean, is the most important to get through it. Like you were saying earlier, there, sure, there were all the physical things you were going through, but the yeah. mental and emotional part is often just as difficult, if not. Oh, harder. Yeah, if not more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if not um, more. So this year was a good year. Um, we actually um, were sent a young lady from a different organization uh, hmm. that was in the process. And because of their process, they couldn't help immediately. And so we just kind of stepped in and, and helped her out. She was a, she is a breast cancer survivor. And she was actually, when she called me, she was sleeping in a storage unit. And so I'm like, outside <laughs> you know so it's it, that's another thing you know it, we have to be able to help provide shelter for those that fall into the difficulty and disparity of getting sick losing their job not having oh, insurance yeah. it's such a huge thing right so so that's our our latest um after this event that we've been mm-hmm. just focusing on if it's just one, you know, one keeping one person off the street in this time yeah. with this illness in this season of life, you know, have you? That's actually an interesting, sad point. Is have you seen that a lot where someone gets diagnosed, they don't have insurance, and so it ends up causing them to lose their house and live on the streets? I mean, is that? You know, I tell you, uh, I, I experienced it myself. So that's why I can talk about it because, um, you know, my story is when I was diagnosed, I had two sons, my son and my stepson getting ready to graduate high school. They, we had all college, everything set and the money was set aside and all that. And then I got diagnosed. 
And so, you know, even with insurance back then, it was like you still needed a life savings, you know, to still be able to walk around. And so for me, you know, uh, life after breast cancer and coping with that Mm -hmm. um, is because you have to make the hard decision. So we have to have that family conversation about so this is what's happening and this Uh. is what's required. And, you know, we can either you guys go on with your careers and you know, let me just live it through and that's it. Or, you know, we try to take care of mom. And so they both were like, let's take care of mom. Wow. <laughs> and they're both very successful young men. I'll what pray my son. I mean, yeah. that is just what a hard decision for them to make at that age. But yeah, how neat that they, yeah. they chose mom. Yeah, they chose me. <laughs> so that's awesome. In yeah. your opinion, how can, how can survivors or thriver advocates support improving equitable health care? You know, I think that, you know, I, I met with uh, a chief uh, staff member of uh, Denver Health yesterday and found out a lot of things that I didn't mm-hmm. know about, um, you know, their, you know, an entity of their own selves. And, you know, their goal, as long, uh, along with my goal is exactly that, you know, let's come together. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's, you know, be be amongst one another and let's you know provide information let's make sure we educated about what's happening and and so it's unfortunate because there's so much disconnect right now yeah. after covid and yep. you know but you know when you go through the sickness you, you need somebody to talk to you need somebody to you know you know kind of bounce things off with in a group setting possibly um exactly. because it's really difficult very difficult well, and that's it. Cancer is no respecter of persons, right? None. I mean, it doesn't matter. And so we really are all in this together. Right. Um, yes. 100%. So. 100%. Well, is there anything I haven't specifically asked you about that you would want to share with someone either who has gone through cancer or who's a caregiver or anything like that? Well, I'll say one thing first about caregivers. You know, I believe, and if it wasn't for our caregivers, where would we be? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So shout out 100% to the caregivers because it's not an easy job. I think that for for me, it's about life is about living, you know? So we have to make sure that we're in tune with our bodies. We have to make sure Mm -hmm. that we're paying attention to our bodies, you know, when something doesn't feel right. Um, it's important to me to know and to share that early detection saved lives. That's my thing. You know, it's like, yeah, I was young. I was less than 40 and I'm, I'm finding more and more younger yes. cancer survivors. I mean, 34 stage four, uh, HER2 positive. Yeah. Why? I know. You know. So that means we're not, we're not, you know, we're keeping a limit or cap at something when it's happening before that, that means we need to go backwards and, you know, go in a younger direction or whatever, because it's just too many men and women mm-hmm. dying from cancer under the age of 40. It's true. Definitely. Yeah. And not just breast cancer, you know, any kind of cancer. Well, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like that slogan that early detection saves lives. Saves and it's lives. so true. It yeah. is so true. That's why we got to be, that's why I have to make sure we're aware of what's happening. Yeah. We have to make sure that, and I do, I, I mean, I'm one of them kind of folks that I'm just, and everybody's, um, you know, their neighborhood, because we're all the same neighborhood. I'm always mm-hmm. all over the place. I just, you know, it's important to me because we're 
you know, it's important. We're people. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And again, we're all in this. Yeah. You know, we, you want that information to get to everyone so that right. everyone has the same chance at survival, but they have to yeah. get the information first. Right. And have the right. support and all of that. Yeah. yeah one go. Yeah. yeah. So no, I, um, I don't have any other questions about what I would like for you to ask me, but I'm very, I'm just, I'm excited about, uh, Epic experience. I'm excited about finding a camp to join. I'm excited about, uh, sharing it with my tribe and my people and That's you know, awesome. my community, uh, because it, the journey is so tough. We gotta have, and, and because it's so tough financially, sometimes we can't do those things. So yeah. that's why I'm, I'm excited about Epic because it's providing services that folks mm-hmm. can't, can't get to. So we got to all make sure that we experience it. Right. Well, and it's services in, in, in every way in terms of having fun, but in terms of that, a mental and emotional support too. It's, yeah. it's all of it. So yeah, spread the word. Far yeah, wide, I, definitely. I, I'm already on it. I promise you. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm hoping to, uh, to see you guys in February at the gala. I've, I've spread it the word. We're excited. Very nice. So, yeah. Well, that will be wonderful to meet you in person. Of course. Well, I always ask one question at the end because we call okay. this campfires of hope. And that is marshmallows over a campfire. Slow and steady that. or flame and crispy. <laughs> well, if we're not necessarily talking about marshmallows, I'll go with flame and crispy. All right. <laughs> but I'm not a marshmallow girl. Well, there you go. <laughs> Last time I had someone who had vegan marshmallows, which I didn't even know was a thing, but yeah. flame um, and crispy. Well, then what is your, what do you prefer flame and crispy? If you were to flame and crispy something, what would it be? If I was to flame and crispy something, it would be something, <laughs> it would be something that's earthy and flavorful. And just, it's like a melt in your mouth type mm. of taste that you get when, when you put the grandmother's uh, cookie in your mouth. So just a flavor. I'm a, I love robust, earthy flavors. It sounds delicious. <laughs> delicious. That's why, love, that's why I love to cook. I love it. Well, again, <laughs> Mexican flavor is, or food is my favorite. So all right we're sisters in that i tell you that's a good thing (laughs) well jackie it has been such a pleasure and i hope i do get to meet you in person at uh, the gala i'm looking forward um, to it keep up the good work with fighting together to save lives well thank you so much i appreciate you guys thank you all right Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Father Tom.